So I want to try to tie together two different ideas that probably, that probably don't go together. But sometimes it's fun to try to make these connections. The first idea is by a guy named Martin Daly, who wrote a book called Killing the Competition. His idea is that violence is rational for men who are low status. He looks at societies and finds that inequality and violence are correlated. Now, it's not poverty that predicts violence. It's relative poverty. And his thesis is that in a society with no opportunity, violence is the only way for a low-status man to increase his relative status. And status is very important. Relative status is highly correlated to reproductive success. So if you want to have children and you're low status, the only way forward in a society with low opportunity is to be violent. And he shows that the correlation of status to sex for men is 0.7, which is very, very high. And the correlation of status to sex for women is negative 0.1. And this concept is called hypergamy, that women tend to mate up in status. So men compete for status to get access to women. And this is essentially a, a prescriptive idea. It says, if you want to lower violence in your society, you should increase opportunity. The more opportunity, the less low-status men would resort to violence. And what's really interesting to me is that from this point of view, violence is rational. You know, criminality is rational because there's no other way forward. And he goes further. He uses... Um, a chain of causality, not just correlation. He shows how men with low relative status have low serotonin. And having low serotonin is, it's really bad. It creates high negative emotion and it creates impulsivity. And the combination of negative emotion and being impulsive is toxic especially when it's combined with our society's drug of choice, which, which is alcohol. And this leads to violence. So, you know, here is one example of something that, from a traditional lens, I had trouble understanding. But when, you know, I put myself in the point of view of the violent person, it starts to make more sense. You know, I can, imag I can imagine that if I had never had opportunity and that I was very low status, that, you know, I probably would be more violent. So put that to one side. The second idea is much more speculative. So take it with a grain of salt. But I also have a hard time understanding some of the extreme tactics of the progressive left. Examples like Antifa or the instinctive shaming of anyone who disagrees. But then I was listening to this song by Pink called uh, What About Us. Now, I'm not going to play the song, but she, you know, to start, I thought it was essentially a love song. And then I thought about it some more, and I thought, and, you know, this interpretation is probably wrong, but, you know, it's art, so, so who cares? 
it's sort of this generational cry of the heart against, you know, a baby boomer generation that, you know, left us with $20 trillion of debt, endless wars, no real income growth, and an increasingly divided society. So from that point of view, the anger of, let's just say, the millennials becomes much easier to understand. The, the older generation failed in their responsibilities. So she writes, what about all the plans that ended in disaster? And that, you know, that really struck home for me. You know, the old have a responsibility to protect the young. And instead, they've sent them off to die in these endless, ridiculous wars. She sings, what about all the times you said you had the answers? Again, that really rings true. Adults are supposed to teach the young how to interact with the world. And instead, they, they kept the young too safe. They, they taught them that everyone was a winner and that self-esteem was the most important thing. They preached narcissism and they encouraged self-destructive behavior. And now the millennials are growing up and they're realizing that they were misled. They were sold a bill of goods. The people who were supposed to teach them failed to do so. And then finally, Pink sings, what about all the broken happy ever afters? And again, it's the same idea. I mean, the young are supposed to be encouraged by the old. The old are supposed to give the young opportunity. And, you know, the baby boomers have essentially pulled the ladder of success up behind them. They've they have created debt-fueled asset bubbles in every category. They've made, you know, getting an education prohibitively expensive. They've made buying a house prohibitively expensive. They've made healthcare insanely expensive. And so from the point of view of someone who's young, who sees how easy it was, or at least how easier it was for someone in the older generations, and then they look at their situation with very little room for advancement, very little opportunity, and you know, situ a situation that makes it very difficult to pay off their student loans, buy a house, pay for their health care, save for their children's education, and save for retirement. From this point of view, their anger and resentment make a lot of sense. And so... You know, it's almost like what Martin Daly is saying. If the traditional methods of advancement have been shut off, then you look for the non-traditional methods. In the case of low-status men, it's violence. But in the, in the case of the millennials, well, maybe it's this progressive extremism. And, you know, there was this article a while back about the University of Michigan that has, they have almost 100 diversity officers earning $11 million a year. Um, give me one sec. So let's see. Uh, the associate dean for the Office of Health, Equity, and Inclusion makes $220,000 a year. The director for the Center of Educational Outreach makes $186,000 a year. The Deputy Chief Diversity Officer and Director of Implementation for the DEI Strategic Plan makes $167,000. Those are, 
in this day and age, insanely good jobs to get. And if the path to getting those jobs runs through protest and demonstration and, you know, immoderate language on social media, then maybe that is the rational thing to do for millennials faced with low opportunity elsewhere. So, you know, I agree. That's sort of serious speculation. So, but, you know, I pull back for a second and I say, what is the idea that binds these two examples together? And it's the idea that zero is sticky. In a society where it's very difficult for people to get away from being low status or from being very unsuccessful, these kinds of problems emerge. People look for ways to get out of this zero bound. And so I think that both sides should understand that having zero be sticky is a problem. If, if you're on the right, it's inefficient. You have people with enormous talents and abilities who can't put them into practice because they're trapped in a horrible situation. And it's also unstable. You know, if you have too many people without hope, without opportunity, you know, society starts to become more fragile. And if you're on the left, I feel it's, it's even easier to understand why zero being sticky is bad, because it's, it's unjust. I mean, it's not fair to people who are trapped at zero. And so, you know, again, the prescription seems to be the same for both sides. You want to increase opportunity. You want to make zero not sticky. You want to have, how can I put this, instead of a safety net, you want to have something like a safety trampoline so that if people get into trouble towards this, you know, black hole of, of hopelessness and opportunitylessness, then there are policies and opportunities in place to get them back functioning and prospering again as quickly and easily as possible. Anyways, enough speculation. I got to go.